Hello, welcome to another episode of the Horror Vision Presents Murder Board, a true detective night country discussion. I am Sean. And I'm Missy. And we'll be talking full spoiler about Night Country episode three today. We are now halfway through the season. And uh, before we really drill into this episode, so Missy, you, after last week's episode, I know we were both overjoyed with yes. episode two of Night Country. And so you actually watched all of season one and all of season three in, you know, in the following couple days. Yeah. And I don't know, just, you know, it's been a while for, I've seen season one a bunch as we've talked about, um, but it's been a while and I've seen, I've watched season three once as it aired. Talk about them. All right. Well, um, yeah, I did binge both in the past week because I'm nocturnal and I don't sleep. I wrote down a few notes, mostly to see how everything connects. Mm-hmm. And we had been talking, one of the listeners had left comments about they thought that, you know, um, Russ said something about Alaska. Russ, mm-hmm. Russ Cole, um, the Matthew McConaughey character. Um, he He does. He mentions Alaska a few times in season one. The very first time is when Woody Harrelson, Marty, and his family invite him to dinner. He mm-hmm. mentions that he did grow up in Alaska. And later on, we do find out that Travis Cole is Rust's father. So Rust grew up in Alaska. He also went back to Alaska for eight years. Um, so in season one, there's a point where Rust and Marty have a have a fight. He leaves the um he leaves the the police department. He disappears from 2002 till 2010, which was the present at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Alaska. He said he was working on fishing boats and bars, and so he's been back and forth. Also, now we keep see- hearing. Jody Jody Foster's character Danvers, and it comes up again in this current episode, talking about asking questions, asking the right the right questions. Um, Rust used to say that too. In fact, um, when the the detectives are questioning him, it's either the end of the first or the second episode of season one, um, closing it out where Russ tells them, you know, if you really want to know what what's going on, then you have to start asking the right fucking questions. I, I, as soon as you said that, I remembered the line. Mm-hmm. And now Danvers is constantly ask, ask the question, ask the right question that's right. not the right question. And we both said we thought we'd heard him talk about that. He did. Um, also, at the the end of episode two of season four, we find the trailer, and it's got all those Blair Witch stick figure things hanging. They're in. I did. I didn't remember them being in season one, but the very the very first murder, they're there. They're there. They're also there when they go to question somebody. I forget who it is, but they're. It's mm-hmm. at a house, like in back of the house or something like that. I don't remember which character though. It's when they, um, I forgot to write that one down. It's when they go to question 
the family about the little girl that disappeared yes. many years ago. I forgot her. Something Fontenot. Yes, last Fontenot. Name was Fontenot. Yes. They find one of them like out in the chicken shed or woodshed or whatever it is. But even the very first murder, the first girl we find that's got the antlers and she's bent over the tree, they're all hanging from the trees. Yeah, that's I right. Did, I didn't remember them being there, but they they were. And she has a spiral on her back, correct? Yes, she does. Yeah. She has the spiral on her back. That's the first time we see it. Yeah. At the very, very end of season one, he picks him up from the, or he's visiting him from the hospital and then yeah. he helps him break out. And they're outside looking at the stars and talking. And what Russ says to him is, it's all one big story, light and dark. Dark has more territory, but the light is winning. And it just struck me as interesting that now we're in Alaska during 30 days a night. Ooh. When there is no light. Oh, that's very interesting. I love that. I like I really like that the fact that like the dark has more territory but the light is winning, but now we are in a place where things seem more severe and mm -hmm. there is no light. And there is no light. And we're only on day 5 of the dark and it's just getting weirder. Well, I think the new episode ends with day six, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I'm pretty sure. Also, let me just add real quick, just to, to put it in there, and I think we've mentioned this before, but Rust sees the spiral, the birds make the spiral at yes. one point, right? And then also he sees... It at the end. He sees it at the end when he's fighting the quote-unquote Yellow King or whatever. It's, right. It, I forget when he's in Carcosa. Yes, yes. Um, you see it like they're underground, but he looks up and he, he sees it's the it, sky. But you don't know if it's right. He sees the sky and it's like a spiral nebula type thing, but um, you don't know if he's really seeing that or if he's seeing it because he always like his perception of things is different because of his drug experiences. So he's always kind of seeing trails and weird shit. Yeah. So that is definitely, like he tells us that that's always been the takeaway. And that's what I, my, my take on that has changed with subsequent viewings of that. And it kind of goes back and forth, but that's what I meant when, when we talked about it in one of the previous uh, two episodes of this show, I mentioned, well, I don't think it is definitively saying it's not, Science, you know, like a uh, uh, paranormal. I think that right. it's kind of on. They're kind of leaving it a little bit like ambiguous, and and I do mm -hmm. I, more and more. I'm thinking the whole idea of this season is to actually go back and show that no, that wasn't Rust's drug, you know, right. damage. That was actually something he was seeing, probably because of where he's from. Yeah, I never thought about that. A lot of people there, it seems like they grow up with this, you know, I mean, we, how many people do we have now? Jules. Uh, that are her, seeing dead people. Yeah, and... Jules, her, Navarro's mom, Rose. Um, I feel like there's at least one other person so far in season four, but whatever. Anyway, so I just wanted to throw that in and there Navarro as well. Navarro hears things. Yep. So, yeah, I didn't even think of that. I think you're probably right on with that. 
because I'm realizing having watched just watched season one again and then watching three that all right one of the reasons that I had always hated the end of season one is because we were we were expecting like the paranormal or a monster or something a god and you're get and then you get this inbred guy and it just kind of felt like a cop-out however now you're getting all these hints about this cult that you don't see and it sees seems much more widespread Mm -hmm. than it ever did in sub in previous viewing Mm -hmm. like in previous viewings i always felt like i got cheated because i just because the ending was just this inbred guy this time I didn't feel that way. I just feel like he's the one we see. But there's a whole bunch of stuff going on on the like on the outskirts that we're not seeing, but it's a much bigger scope than we thought it was. Regarding the portal we were just talking about with the that Russ sees, mm-hmm. what made me realize that I think it's real is in season three. There's a point where um, Hayes, he finds this, he's in the woods and it's like a, it almost looks like a big wreath. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I saw it, my brain went, that's a portal and that's what the spiral is. Mm-hmm. The, I always thought the spiral was just a sigil. Now I think it's a door. Drawings and the, and the, the, whatever the stick creations or whatever, those, the ones that resent like the wreath, like you just said, yeah, they're the depictions, um, effigies of this doorway or whatever. I do, I think it's either something, I don't know if it's a literal doorway or if it has something to do with DNA being a doorway or some kind of cosmic, I, you know, I don't know. And this is where, like, I definitely see, and I saw it in season one and I, so a little bit of in season three, and I definitely see it now, and especially because we're in Alaska. I feel like there's a lot of Laird Baron on this shit. The thing with Laird Baron is he's so I never felt cheated because there wasn't a monster in season one. What I felt cheated by was the fact that like, okay, so well, th- number one, I I never liked the idea that oh, it's a guy that we see for a second in that other episode on the lawnmower. Like, that mm-hmm. just... Like, I think so, you're going to go one way or the other with that. You, Some people are going to be like, oh, my God, that's fucking brilliant. I did not think so. I felt like it was a little weird and, like, a little bit of a cop-out then that they, like, just... It was just him. And mm-hmm. and we what what I was led to believe in subsequent viewings is there was this cult... And they believed this shit, not really because they believed it, but because it enabled, you know, kind of like that God is a bullet, right? Where it's like that cult and God is a bullet. The big letdown is they didn't actually believe anything. They were just using the the kind of uh, pretense of, oh, we're a satanic cult to like do terrible things to children, right? And that's ultimately what totally ruined that movie. I mean, I still, I didn't hate the movie, but that made it, something that I was like, yeah, I don't like that. I can't reconcile that. And it was a little bit like that where 
I get that, okay, he's the last of whatever this local boys, you know, like it's kind of like a billionaire boys club where it's like, oh, we all uh-huh. get together and do these terrible things and and then go back to our normal lives. And it just felt like, I don't know, I just, I didn't want a monster. I just wanted something. But now I wonder right. if we weren't actually getting something. But the context was removed. And I, sure, I think they're actually applying the context in retrospect, but I don't care. So far, they're doing a really good job with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I didn't necessarily, it didn't have to be a monster. No, I, I know, mean, I, I know. I've been satisfied with a cult or something, but it just seems so much bigger and we just got this one guy. Yes, exactly. And and I didn't love who it was either. Like, I just, yeah. like, why is he mowing lawns? I mean, it's just, it felt weird. Like, it felt like it's going to be this, like, but that's probably how he was finding the kids to begin with because he was working in schools. Yeah, I don't know. I But I felt like, you know, there's this upper crust. Like, I think of, like, Justified. There's, like, a whole bit in Justified where, like, like uh, uh, fucking Boyd and um, Eva tap into this, like, Harlan has this upper crust, like, 1%, and they have these weird orgies, and there's this eyes wide shut kind of... And it didn't go culty, but, but something like mm-hmm. that where it's, like... I expected it to be somebody of power or somebody of money. And and in truth, I thought it was really clever that they didn't do it, but it also didn't work for me, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. I, it just seemed like, this is the guy, really? This is the guy? Because this guy kind of looks like, I don't know. Season three. Um, and I mean, I, I finished season three. Overall, I really liked season three, too. Um, all right. So the reporter, there's a reporter in interviewing detective hayes that's um the detective marshall yeah that's how you say it okay um and she says because in those murders or in they're investigating the disappearance of um a little girl and her brother was killed yes and they found these creepy looking faceless straw dolls um now she's interviewing detective hayes many 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 years later and he's very elderly now um, she says people think the straw dolls are connected to to pedophile rings like the crooked like the crooked spiral yep um which that's the first time we actually really heard the cult of the spiral called anything either um she says that the dolls are used as signifiers in in, in these trafficking rings like the blue spiral and then it was she thought that it was like code for pedophiles um that's not what it and it well they don't really explain the straw dolls all that much so maybe that was part of it i'm not sure um and later on and she references a news article at one yes. point and it show it very clearly shows you rust and mark yes yeah and it's it's like two detectives like 10 years ago dealt with whatever case, blah, 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 or whatever it is. Right. That and it, that involved, you know, like this pedophile cult thing. You know, and she had her own speculations. Those are the only things I really saw that connect um that directly connected season three to one. Mm-hmm. Um but watching them in close succession, I'm definitely getting a feeling that there's like it's a much wider scope, mm-hmm. 
And so far, the, the spiral, although only briefly in season three, I've seen it, you know, it's prominent in one. We've seen it several times now in four. And we come back to it in three. I haven't seen season two. I'll, watch, I'll probably watch that this week. I know. I've never heard anything good about it. But you know I'm what, still- though? I mean... You you should watch it because you're you're into and you you may catch something I missed because I watched it as it aired and yeah I'm just gonna tell you right now here's what's gonna happen you're gonna watch the first episode and be like the fuck is he talking about this is awesome and then you're gonna watch the second op- episode and be like wait a minute did, <laughs> did I change the channel um well that- I mean. Season four, we st- neither one of us liked the first episode, and then the second episode was great. Yeah, but this is the opposite. The first episode is great, and then the, every other <laughs> one. I mean, there's moments that I really like. There's some really cool moments in two, but overall, it's one of the most frustrating fucking things okay. I've ever sat through. So I'll just be curious to see your opinion. I'm not but saying I'm right. That, part of that could also be timing, because you're as attached to season one as I am. Yeah. So you went into it super excited and it's it's different. It's not that. So I mean having and having some space away from it too. Yeah. Like if you watch it now, you might have a different experience. Granted, I've still not heard great things about season two. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I am going to wait. So I, I'm planning to rewatch one and three soon, but I'm gonna wait until you watch season two. Because <laughs> if, if you're like you should reassess, I'll reassess. If you're like, mm-hmm. Jesus fucking Christ, then I'll be like, <laughs> Yeah, okay, I was right the first time. Because I don't think there's any tie to this at all. And not that there necessarily needs to be. I think the show is just figuring out what it's going to be, right? And like Like I said before, I think season one was one thing. I think season two was kind of going to be something different than what it ended up being. And then I think season... I actually wonder if season three, like, they kind of forced, like, HBO... A little bit in there? Well, I think... I wonder if HBO forced the uh, idea of tying it back into one, and that's why it's so brief, just as, as, like, okay, shut the fuck up. And then notice now... Pizzolatto's not involved, and now it's like all about season one. Like, what can we do? Cole, okay, we get his dad, we get the spiral in every episode, blah, 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 blah. But there was, I mean, and I don't know where I thought it was in one of my horror groups online. Somebody was talking about watching the new, you know, watching Night Country, and um, somebody had said that there is something about the spiral in every season. So I'm going to watch for it in season two. I'll be it, looking for it if it there's any be. kind of connection. There is definitely a trafficking bit with uh, with women, and I can't remember the actress's name that's in it. Uh, anyway, what okay. it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm sure I'll, it's only eight episodes. I'll probably be done with it by the time we record next. So I, I might have more connections or yeah. Yeah. You know, but all right. So we now we're on to Night Country episode three, which just aired yesterday. What'd you think? I liked it. I I did too. I overall, I'm, I had a hard time with the first episode, but now I'm in. I mean, nothing super spectacular. 
happened in this episode, but it's a lot of character building and it's stuff that like they're building especially Danvers and Navarro. Yeah. Like I care about both of them now. Yeah, I do too. So like they gave us a lot of really good character development in this episode. Overall, I thought it was very solid. Um it, it still seems crazy that we're half like it's only going to be six episodes we're halfway through and it doesn't like the pacing feels slowish yeah but we'll see where they're going it was a very enjoyable episode it It was it wasn't like slow and draggy whereas like that very first episode i'm like okay what's gonna happen yeah there there's only a few minutes left it's the premiere what's gonna and it felt like nothing happened and I don't feel that way. No, ne- neither do I. It, it, this episode felt a lot like season one to me. With yeah, it did. The flashback to the Wheeler case, which I really liked because I love the fact that, you know... Um, uh, Wait, the Wheeler case? Yeah, so where um, Peter is like, what happened between you and Navarro? And oh, then yeah, yeah. Danver, Danver shuts the door and tells him, and I love the way you start seeing what happened and at some Mm -hmm. point what she's saying deviates from what you're seeing. Right. So she's like, yeah, so he killed her and shot himself. And as she's saying that you see, they walk in and see him and he's whistling twist and shout, which twist Uh and shout. And that's why she hates the song. Yes. And twist and shout recurs multiple times in this. And I would just like to say a spiral twists. So I don't know if that's like, like, I don't know if that's like a like okay, buddy. Now you're just seeing shit because you want to see shit. But I feel like there's a reason that song is recurring. And... No, there's definitely a reason because when it was it was stuck on a loop in episode one because he had they had Ferris Bueller on when they disappeared. Yes, yes, and they couldn't figure out how to turn it off. And when Danvers comes in. She's like, fuck, I hate this song. I need yep. to, and she's like tearing shit apart until she can turn it off. Something. Right. Now we know why she hates the song. Because she associates it with a bad thing. And, and that was at the ice station, right? That that was looped? Yeah. So th- think about that. Like, think about this. So that's one of those like Laird Baronisms. Not exactly, but like where things manifest in these slightly mundane but weird ways. So like Whatever this spiral is, it's obviously involved in what happened to the research team. When they so they go in to the ice station or to the research station, and that song's playing. Mm-hmm. Why is that song playing on a loop? Like so, that because has been stuck on the TV. But... but I mean, that's been playing since they walked out onto the ice. Mm-hmm. So there's a direct correlation between the appearance of and and sustain of that song and them meeting their end on the ice and that guy having it tattooed on his head and Clark having it tattooed on his body and it, it's just another manifest. It, okay. Basically, it's an audio manifestation of the spiral. That's awesome, and then that tie. I mean, goes back to this old case where Danvers and Navarro then parted ways afterwards. And he's whistling that song. So maybe he was. So I'm wondering if there is some out like, so who's this Wheeler guy? Like I, maybe right. this has something to do with it. Um, and I like mm-hmm. the, I like the fact that 
we don't know. So clearly one of them shot him. Right. So right, but we don't know who we don't, we don't know, know who which one. my guess would be that Danvers shot him. No, hold on. Well, I could go either way. Like I, I flip flopped. It's like, See, I, I thought Navarro did. So I thought Navarro did at first. And then that Danvers kept the secret because she understood, but then pushed her to troopers instead of, you know, AFP or whatever it is. Right. That's kind of what I figured. But also then this episode, I feel like I heard somebody say that Navarro went on her own accord. Like she left because she didn't want to be around Danvers. That was they didn't oh. say it. They didn't say it like that. But I felt like they said, yeah. And then she went to a, uh, troopers or whatever it is. So it could also be Danvers did it, and because Navarro knows, there's like some because I don't think the I don't think Navarro would have a problem with her. Him, you know what I mean? Like clearly, right. I feel like she's the cop that would totally do that. Right. I. I thought she did it. Yeah. So either way, either way, it definitely flashes. Like I got that vibe too. It feels a lot like Rust and Marty. Yeah. And then we're getting three different stories, just like we did with them. Yep. Kind of out of order, but it's all connecting back together. And I appreciate they, that they're doing these different stories without having to go what the, the, the season one and three use that thing where it's like uh, we start with them at one age and then there's the other age and the other age, right? So it's like there's an element of it's happening and somebody's looking back on it happening. Mm -hmm. And this time it's all present tense. So I, I do think that they were smart to do that and not completely mm -hmm. imitate that you know the whole like paradigm of the of season one and season three because then it would feel maybe right. a little bit repetitious in the opening credits you see the stuffed polar bear twice you see the one-eyed polar bear that navarro sees flash in the credits and there's a stag mm. i haven't seen anything in the story about this I mean, unless we're going back to like dead people wearing antlers, but but I see there like a front on flash of a stag's face, just like you do with the one-eyed polar bear, and it's like in between verses when you when you're watching the credits because I keep finding myself because they're flashing these quick images at me. I'm staring at these credits like I would yellow jackets. Right. Trying to see what, okay, they're showing me all these things. What's hidden? Right. What's hidden? What are they showing me before I've seen it? Right. Cool how you're taking the Danvers and Navarro thing that it could go either way. I didn't, like, I didn't see it that way. But, like, we had a couple really cool scenes with the two of them yeah. in this current episode. Um. I'm still, like, obviously, all right, when we're seeing the flashback, they were partners. I don't know if they were ever involved or just good friends or just partners, but not only do they know each other's canned goods, but they know they know who was sleeping, sleeping with who. She knows about her fantasy football. Like, they knew each other really, really well. I'm wondering even more now if they were romantically involved. The can thing, I mean... 
I feel like that's it's not intimate knowledge, but it's very familiar. Like if you're like, where did you move your canned goods to, right? But th so that was the first thing that kind of made me think it. But then the other thing is, what is I forget if it's I think it's Danvers says to Navarro like, what does she say? Oh, are you still banging that uh, bootlegger, whatever, or are you back on women? Later in that same exchange, Navarro says something about, oh, she's like, you're on Tinder? She's like, yeah. She's like, how many people in Ellis are on Tinder? Or Ennis are on Tinder? And she says, oh, you know, I set my my radius to as far as Fairbanks. You know, I don't fuck where I eat. And she's like, not anymore. But they definitely, there's definitely more history there than we've seen mm -hmm. so far. So Probably my favorite scene in the episode is the two of them in the car talking and there's a point where Danvers asks Navarro, what do you do when you're lonely? Yeah. And she says she prays. And, you know, Danvers is laughing at her, like, are you fucking kidding me? You talk to God? And she said, no, I, I listen. Yep. And then later we get when she is... I'm sorry, I'm, like, all over the place. No, it's okay. When Navarro is, she hits her head on the ice, mm -hmm. and she hears, listen, something, someone is telling her, listen. Right. And then you get those little, little kids' hands holding yep. the polar bear, and from the pre, one of the previous episodes, I still think that Danvers had a kid named Holden with a native man. And they both died. Like an Inupiaq man. But so you get this little kid holding the polar bear and he says, tell my mommy. So you see his arm on, or you see his hand on Navarro's shoulder. Navarro hits her head on the ice and opens her eyes and she's in what looks like a desert. And there is a, some kind of a truck overturned and it looks like it's been destroyed. And then you see the hand on her shoulder, I believe. And then you mm -hmm. hear the child say that. Right. And I was going to ask you, like, I don't even know what to make of that vision other than maybe they died in some kind of a car accident. I don't know where that is, per se, because it doesn't look like Alaska. Right. Yeah, I don't know where it is, but I it's the same child with the polar bear that Danvers dreams about. And I think the message is for her. Tell, I think tell my mommy is her. Absolutely. And then the other thing, as far as that would make sense, if she had been in, if Danvers had been involved with an, um, with a native man and had that son, because the girl she takes care of is, how do you say the name of the, the, is it in, Inupiaq? In, Inupiaq. Thank you. Yeah. Like her stepdaughter, Leah. Leah is the daughter. So I mean, so Navarro at least knows how to listen. Like I know you and I always say that, you know, you the universe will tell you all kinds of things if you know how to listen. All right, I have a quote that I wrote down. Something Danvers says. Navarro believes in spirit animals and is trying to to listen to the to the universe. Danvers specifically tells her it's not magic. There's a real explanation for all of this. We're just not asking the right questions. So I, these are your two, they're polar opposites. Yeah, right. 
But again, then we're back to asking or not asking the right questions. And that's the theme through the whole episode. She says it to several people. Oh, I know we had previously, we were trying to figure out what was the deal with the um, the photograph. Oh, I figured this out too. They're referencing him getting the tattoo four days after her death. Oh, okay. Wait, wait gotcha. were, you, were you thinking she was dead in the photo? I was thinking maybe she was dead in the photo. I think she's alive. Kirsten mentioned, so when I paused, because this is the first episode I watched with her since I was in LA until now. And so... And she always sees cool shit. What yes. See? And so I paused it when that happened. I was like, see this, okay, I don't understand this. They're saying this was four days after she's dead. And I backed it up and replayed it. And she's like, no, she's talking about the other, the, the other photograph, him getting the tattoo. Okay. It's so fucking obvious, but I just was like looking for something. Right. Yeah. I'm sitting there staring at it. I'm like, well, you can't see her face. She could be dead. It's yeah. kind of a weird pose, but yes, that makes much more sense. Thank, thank you, Kirsten. Yeah. As usual. <laughs> Okay, and what what do you think regarding, we find out in this episode that Peter's dad, Hank, he got a call on a lead that he completely just blew off during the Annie K case. I think this is going to be just like season three where this is going to be the red herring where we think it ties in and i think it's literally just going to be about the mine i think his concerns even be, only regarding the mind like, because they, there's so much there's so much mystery and nefarious shit going on so that anybody with any questionable action looks like they're part of it and i think that this is going to be the thing that is not part of it i think this is going to be because there is definitely okay. a, a subplot with this I mean, you know, uh, Danvers goes to pay respects to the woman who, whose baby was stillborn that day, and she has a bit of a panic attack, goes in the bathroom, turns on the faucet, and we see the fucking water, right? So yeah, this is like a real fucking thing. So there is this other thing. Now, whether the whole idea of the water being polluted ties into whatever she is that's out there in the ice, right? I don't know, but I think Hank's whole thing is is tied into the mine and i think he okay. he feels like you know it's just like what danvers told navarro like like over half the town works for the mine you get rid of the mine what happens at the town but that's their chance as we were here before like we were here right. before the mine so they're basically saying the natives were they were we were here this is our like this is our land like this whole thing that what you've come in and built this like you know, industry or whatever, it doesn't affect the fact that we were here. We don't need you here. You're fucking up our lives. So. Okay. Okay. Because he's all, I mean, he's always working against them. Always. Always. Like, I can't figure out what his deal is, but I mean, he doesn't get along with anybody. And I mean, including Please. his kid who he just bullies. He gets along with all the fucking gun-toting... Uh... Oh, that's true. Yeah, tell your dad to get rid of his hillbilly friends or I'm going to call immigration on his Russian mail-order bride. Yeah. Yeah, so those are to totally his people, but I think the reason they're his people is because I think those are all the people that are aligned in the same... Well, which which is actually weird because they're all... Well, no, no, that makes perfect sense. I think they're all pro-mine 
So it's basically right. become this thing of it's like almost imperialism. Like we've come in and set up this thing and oh, it, it's good for your town. But really, like, no, you've seduced us with your Western ways. And like, it's not good for our town because our children are dying. Our water is poisoned, blah, blah, blah. Right. So. Right. So half of so the the state is, div you know, or at least the town is divided. Yeah. And the mine people and then the the natives who want to fight it yeah exactly and i think danver's reason for being so adamant that her stepdaughter not like she was like you know made her remove the tattoo uh right. well, the, yeah because it was just makeup yeah it was a temporary tattoo but she wants the actual tattoo the reason she's not allowing to, her to do that i think is because i think she thinks by doing that she's kind of putting crosshairs on her head because there's Maybe. there's such a militant like pro mine thing, and like also like you know well, another they even call it out when Leah is at the protest or meeting or whatever, and she um she takes one of the t-shirts. They say, "Aren't you the sheriff's daughter?" Yeah. And and she it kind of well, she's my stepmom, and they said, "No, all are welcome." Yeah, but I mean, they know who she is. Well, there's another thing about this season that really ties into one and then also slightly ties into two and may, may, not so much three, I don't think, but like the misogyny on a level where like the women are treated as either property or chess pieces or just disposable, right? Like th this really kind of... Oh. Because that is a big theme in the and first half season. Of these people here hate both Navarro and Danvers, and neither they are both strong, independent, you know, women that they would not be able to control. Exactly, either and one of them. Annie was against the mine. Was strong, like obviously very strong woman. I I think. Well, see, I don't. Okay, so what do you what do you make of? The, I think it's the last thing in the episode is they crack her phone and you see this thing and it's very Blair Witch, right? Like, like right. very fucking, which like is not, the, you know. I found it, I found it, I well, don't know. No, and that my name is this and if I don't make it back, like it was so much like that confessional, oh, yeah, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah. But she looks like she's in what looks like, have only watched it once, it looks like tissue. Like she's standing in something's like mouth or esophagus. Oh, I thought she was like just in a bright, like uh, under fluorescent lights. It could be. It very well could be. I might. I, I don't might remember. Be I mean, when we got a flash of that, I also got the Blair Witch vibe. But what I really focused, on, she kept saying, "I found it," and I'm like, "Okay, what did you find?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I I didn't. It just seemed bright and like fluorescent lights. I didn't really notice the tissue thing. Like it didn't look like that to me. I'm assuming I'm wrong, but I just want to put that out there just because that was my my take. Having seen it one time, I was like, what the fuck is that? It looks weird. It looks like tissue or something. I don't know. Um... Something that caught my attention, though, was um, when... When they find out about uh, the lead that Hank buried and they talk to that woman, she was Annie's friend. And she specifically says, Annie has been dreaming that 
dreaming about that spiral since since high school. But then when she got the tattoo, the dream it stopped. stopped. Yep. So that's definitely. Uh, I'm curious if it's. I mean, it's hard to say because I don't know how deep into like a mythology or like like a paranormal thing they're going to go and i mean it could almost be like this is how whatever this is whatever she that's awake is is drawing people to do like a servants right like to do things for them is like with the okay. spiral so then she gets a tattooed so now whatever this is that put it in her dreams owns her and that's why it stops because now she's branded. Oh, that's an interesting perspective. It's also a trafficking thing. There's a lot of, I mean, it's super disgusting, but there's a lot of like trafficking where like people are branded. And so it's okay. really gross. But but that then ties in everything else like how, about the show. Well, and I mean, that was history with they used to brand yeah, slaves too. Exactly. Exactly. That's an interest. I never even thought of that. Like, I honestly didn't even catch all the trafficking references until season three, because it's a lot more prominent there. Yeah. Okay. What about Lund waking up, right? And the whole. So he wakes up, he's screaming. Yeah. And Danvers is trying to talk to him. And then she gets called away because they're the, the it's like the fucking hillbillies are fighting with whoever you know. It's another one of these like mine anti mine uh, disputes, I believe. Right, you know, in the in the hospital mm -hmm. waiting room. Yeah. And Navarro stays there by Lund, and uh -huh. then in a gurgling voice, he sits up. And displaying no pain, which previously, like, obviously his entire existence is agony at this point. He says, you know, whatever he says, you know, hi, Navarro, uh, your mother's waiting for you, blah, blah, blah. And he points okay. with the one hand, one arm he's got left. And what he's pointing, it is exactly, I believe, the flashback of the previous episode of younger navarro clutching younger jewels and the mother is like pointing and i'm pretty sure Holy he's shit. doing the exact same like gesture oh i didn't catch that because i was paying attention to what he was saying yeah um i didn't catch the gesture thing but what he said was your mother says hello she's waiting for you and then he goes into the whole we woke her, she's awake, she's out now in the ice, she came for us in the dark. So, oh, that's super fucked up then, because, he, all right, he's making the same gesture, so that almost implies that the, I mean, maybe the mother was possessed by the kind of thing. Yeah. Or we could be way off, we just like to speculate and have to, you know. Half the time we're wrong. We could be, but I th I definitely think there's something there as far as like, I don't think Jules or the mother are crazy. I think it's that thing where it's like, you know, in some in, in in tribal societies, a shaman is a respected mm -hmm. person who has the ability to communicate and to understand and to see spaces and things that nobody else can, and so they're valued and 
those that's you take that exact same person from a tribal society and you put them in Western society and they're going to be and like, they oh, they're crazy. You're nuts. Uh, fill them up with hell dolls, stick them in the rubber room. Right. Right. So, and definitely Navarro's whole character is pinioned on the fact that she doesn't even know her, her, um, she doesn't know her name. She doesn't know her name. And it, which is, uh, uh, the guy they go to talk to calls her out on that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, and she doesn't know her name, so she, or she doesn't know her Inupiaq name. Yes. So she doesn't really know who she is, and I don't. I mean, and I don't know about like um, how they get those names. If it ties into like their animal spirit or anything like that, either. But I mean, I think essentially the whole point is she doesn't know who she is yeah she doesn't know who she is and so she's more she she is definitely somebody all of you could see in a lot of the conflicts in her character are there because she's partially western society partially you know she's got one foot in each Yes, in each side and they don't they don't work well together that it to right. be the nupiac like you'd have to eschew. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, But she doesn't know who she is. So we're probably, I'm sure this entire season is, you know, by the end, she'll probably know. Yeah, I kind of feel like she's more of the, the like, the Cole character where, like, I feel like more mm-hmm. rides on her and what she learns and discovers mm-hmm. in her art than it is on, you know, Danvers, same way with, it was really, Marty was along for the ride and was important, but it's really, season one is really Rust's story, you know? Right. And I think this is Navarro's story. Yeah. And Danvers is along for the ride. Yeah. But I mean, you blew my mind with the, the whole thing about maybe Cole doesn't see things because of his drug issues, but because he's where he's from, that didn't occur to me. But we know that this is a thin spot, and there are a lot of people who some have it more than others. I yep. mean, I I agree with you. I don't think her her sister is crazy at all. Now, I don't know if something different was going on with the mother, because the only flash we got, she's like convulsing or having a seizure or something. Yeah. But I definitely think that her her sister is not crazy. She sees. Yeah. She's a seer. And we know Navarro has it too. She just has because she's she hears shit. The dead are talking to her. Yes. So now I feel a lot better about the scene that I kind of like called out. I, I kind of shamed in the first episode of the scene where she's driving and it's like she's awake. I'm glad you said that, though, because I didn't catch that initially. And then when I watched it again, I did see three major scenes where they did the She's Awake. It It is. It's really interesting that. So, again, like season one, this is there's this it's beyond misogyny. It's like this is a place where women disappear and people don't care. It's just like season one. That's exactly season one. Mm-hmm. It's just like women disappear and. It's just how it is, you know, but so now whatever, whatever we're being, whatever they're all alluding to being awake or this or that, 
is constantly referred to as she. So it's just interesting that, yeah. you know, and I still say we, we haven't had another mention of whatever that drawing was in the first episode. It looked like a woman with like blood or something coming out of her arms as they were spread wide. It's like, oh, it's like a Inupiaq legend or whatever. Like we haven't gotten anything else with that. So I'm curious okay. what that is. I don't remember who drew, drew the picture. I feel like it was like a little girl. I don't remember whose little okay. girl. But there's a lot here too about like denying your ancestry and. Oh, and I'm seeing and I'm realizing in these shows, there's a lot of stuff that seems like it's, it's throat way and it's not. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not at all. We just weren't looking at the right thing. I, I love that they couldn't get the, the CSI people out there. So Pete calls his cousin the vet. Yeah. To come look at these. And, yeah, definitely. Frozen bodies. But I mean, he thinks they died before they froze. And he's, I, he's right, too. I mean, right. like just hearing his explanation, he's obviously not a, an idiot. And all of that seems to hold water. I didn't think of it. No, I didn't think of it either. I don't feel oh. like Clark is going to be the one behind this. I feel like Clark might be I running. Either. I think he might be yeah. running for his life. I, I'm wondering if Anne is somehow behind this. Like if. She can't be. We found she's dead. We found her body. No, but as far as like if she unleashed something. Because if she has the oh. tattoo first. Right. She has it first and she found it. Yes. Or it found her. Or it found her. But I don't know. I mean, it it was all all in all. I feel like it was a good episode. It it did exactly what you said it did with uh in like with regards to character development. And mm -hmm. I think we're getting a bunch of pieces that are going to be springboards for big things. And it, it's mm -hmm. it's got to start soon because there's only three left. There's right. Only so three left. I feel like four is going to be maybe slightly frustrating and then, oh my God, what the fuck? And then five and six are just going to be like, you know, batshit fucking crazy, hopefully. Batshit crazy. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Well, all right. Until season, well, until, no. <laughs> right, we talked about three seasons that got all tangled. <laughs> well, it, until season four, episode four next week uh, for murder, for murder board. I'm Sean. And I'm Missy.
epidemic of violence floods the streets of major cities as cases of the media dubbed murder virus, MV20 soar, causing those infected to go on killing sprees. Caught in the middle, police detective Angela Miller finds her only trustworthy ally in the self-proclaimed psychic PI, Gerald Henry. As the two try to navigate the violence, they are drawn into new age guru, Abra Mellon Harvest's plot to heal the planet. Harvest's missive? The world is sick, and humanity is the infection. The cure? Murder. From the twisted mind of Sean C. Baker, author of A Collection of Desires, and Shadowplay Book One, Kim and Jesse, comes his most vicious novel yet, Murder of 